Well, the baseball season is over for both the Cleveland Indians and the Cincinnati Reds for this 2018 year. It's hard to believe that it's gone by this fast, I mean, because we started the show back at the end of March as the Major League Baseball season began, and now we have gotten into the first week of October, and the season has come to an end for not only the Cleveland Indians, but the Cincinnati Reds also. Good evening, everyone. I'm Dave Mitchell. Time tonight for the final edition of the 2018 Ohio Baseball Weekly Show. Sorry to see it go, but we'll be back again next spring when the Indians and Reds get back out to Goodyear, Arizona and start playing some spring training baseball. But let's talk about the Reds and the Indians. I've got a lot to say about the Indians tonight. So does Mark. And to do that, let's bring in our resident Cincinnati Reds expert for the final time during this season, Mark Donahue. Mark, uh, in case I forget it, it's been a lot of fun this year. As always, and uh, I hate, you know, only one team wins their last game in a baseball season. And uh, to me, it looks like it's going to be Houston Astros based on what I've seen, but you never know with these playoffs. But, uh, you know, the Indians, uh, we were talking before we went on the air, uh, there's an elite level of teams out there that I think now includes the Yankees and the Red Sox. Obviously, one of them is going to lose. Uh, and Houston, and I, did, I, I don't think the other teams, Cleveland, Chicago, the other playoff teams, uh, are, are close yet. What I don't know is how good Milwaukee is. Is you know if Milwaukee gets into the World Series, uh, are they the team that could bring down Houston? I mean, they're very good, but I don't know what you thought. But I, Houston looks like they're playing in another league. Yeah, Houston is, I'll tell you what, from top to bottom, offense, defense, you know, whatever you want to look at, pitching, bullpen, Mark, they've, they've got it all. And, and I mean, you know, we've talked about the Reds and some of the draft picks that they have had throughout the, the 2010, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, even 17. Mark, Alex Bregman is the Astros third baseman. He's one of the elite players in Major League Baseball already. He was the second player drafted in the 2015 draft. I mean, that, that tells you just how good the Astros scouting department and their draft has been throughout the years. Yeah, and that's when you look at where a good team starts, uh, people don't like, don't like to hear it, but it starts in an office somewhere uh, or on a baseball field somewhere where a scout says, yeah, that's the kid we need. Somebody makes that decision. And with Houston, uh, this, this decision has been pretty darn good. But getting back to the Indians, you know, it's interesting. When you think about last year, you remember in the playoff game against the Yankees, the series, they won the first two games of that series. And then they lost three in a row, and they've never recovered. Yeah, they they lost. That, that means they've lost six games in a row now in the playoffs, and they had a mediocre season by everybody's estimation based on what everybody anticipated from that team. I mean, did, didn't you think that team was going to win 103, 104 games this year? Mark, I I thought going in, yeah, you're right. I thought they'd win 103, 104. But the thing about it is, and I've been saying it all year, and I've never been able to put my finger on it. I don't know if you can. 
But this team never had the it factor. And, you know, I never could really put my finger upon what the it factor was with this team. But for some reason, Mark, they just never seemed to play with any type of urgency or utmost expectation. They always seemed to have, uh, you know, like they were a five-speed vet and they were only in fourth gear. I, I don't understand that, but that's the way it seemed all season long. Well, you're closer to them. You see them play every day, and, and you get that vibe more than I would. As a not that I'm a casual observer, but I, what, what I looked at, because you and I talked about this last week before the playoffs started, you asked me if I thought they were going to win, and I said no. I, I thought Houston was going to beat them. I didn't think they beat them this badly or this soundly. But what I looked at was not what you're talking about, and, and I think you're right, by the way in terms of that it factor that you keep calling it, I looked at something more black and white. I looked at how and who they beat last year. And they would not have won the division in either 2000, well, they would have been in 2017, but in 2018, this team was 50 and 26, a 666 percentage or six, almost 680 percentage against teams in their own division. Yeah. And the teams in that division were horrible. Yeah. They were against the Twins, they were 11 and 8. Against the White Sox, they were 14 and 5. Against Kansas City, they were 12 and 7. And against Detroit, they were 13 and 6. That means they were 50 and 26 against the American League Central. They were only 42 and 45 against the rest of the league. And that included playing the Reds six games, where they won four. So against any team that was not in last place, and there's three, the three other teams in, in the division, not including Minnesota, Minnesota was had a losing record, 78-84. and The White Sox, Kansas City, and Detroit, they were awful. They had the worst records in baseball, except yeah. for Baltimore. Yeah, and, and the... Even, and the beat the snot out of them. Yeah, and the funny thing about it was, Mark... They beat Boston in the season series. They played even with the Yankees in the season series. They did the same with Houston in the season series. The teams that bothered them the most were the Tampa Bay Rays, the Toronto Blue Jays. In the other division out west, it was the the Los Angeles Angels. The Seattle Mariners beat them for crying out loud. Those were the teams that they had problems with. They couldn't beat St. Louis this year. They couldn't beat Milwaukee. They played the Central Division. They couldn't beat the Cubs. They couldn't beat the Pirates. That you know, like like you and I said, they went four and two against the Reds this year, but in, in uh, uh, they they had lost three in a row going into that. I mean, it was just simply a team that didn't achieve what they were expected to achieve this year. And I know a lot of it had to do with injuries. I, I don't want to really bellyache about that. What I want to bellyache about tonight, though, Mark, what I really want to get on some people about are the idiots out there, and I'm going to call them complete and utter idiots, and you will too, that think that Terry Francona was the problem. I look on Facebook and I look at the Cleveland Indian fan pages, Mark, and I see that Terry Francona should be fired because he doesn't know how to use his bullpen. Mark, poppycock. I mean, for crying out loud, this guy has proven he's one of the best managers in baseball throughout the last decade, if not the last two decades. And people want to blame Francona for this? Francona is any, anywhere but the problem. 
I agree. You know, as you look at this, when the season started, you know, we looked at the Indians roster, and uh, I mean, I think it was a fait accompli they were going to win the division. They, you know, there was no way they couldn't in that division, but they they never achieved the level that we thought they would. And, and you just mentioned a minute ago, a minute ago, they had a tough time against a tough time against the Cardinals, against the Brewers, against the Pirates, against the Cubs. Those are pretty good teams. What they they couldn't they they didn't match up and here's where I think we have to do some self analysis ourselves. What did we miss? It can't just be they didn't have the it factor. There has to be something more tangible in that that this team lost as many games as they did and played to a two under five three under five hundred against the rest of the league outside their division. That means most of the teams in baseball had much better records than the Indians did. Yeah. Now why? What are we missing? Is it? Well, you, you break down the components. Is it the starting pitching? No. Let's look at. Let's look at. First of all, during the first half of the season, it was the bullpen. But let's look at the lineup. Let's talk about the way that they hit the baseball this year. You know, when you look at stats, you can make stats and you can make numbers say just about everything that you want them to say, unless you're in Washington D.C. But in Major League Baseball, you can make stats look just about like anything. And the stats will tell you that the Indians were one of the top offensive ball clubs in baseball this year. They weren't. They had three guys at the top of their lineup in Francisco Lindor, Michael Brantley, and Jose Ramirez that could hit the baseball. Enwin Encarnacion had a typical double E year. 30 homers, 107 RBIs. It was a typical year for him. But from then on out, down the bottom of that lineup, Mark, there were easy outs, constant easy outs. They never could figure out who they wanted to play center field once Bradley Zimmer went down. Lonnie Chisholm again for the third consecutive year has a calf muscle problem. Now I got to tell you something. Doctors have figured out how to do quadruple bypasses quicker than anybody has figured out how to fix Lonnie Chisholm's calf problem. This is getting ridiculous. He's a free agent. Bye-bye, Lonnie. Have a good season. Next year with somebody else, let them pay your salary for you sitting on the sideline with a calf injury. Melky Cabrera was a, was a good stopgap measure in right field, Mark, but his better days have come and gone. Jan Gomes didn't hit the baseball at the catching position until the month of September when he hit 320 through the month of September. Perez behind Gomes at the backup catcher position hit 160 for the entire year, and he was playing 30% of the time. 160, Mark. You can't get away with that. And then they bring up a guy like Yandy Diaz, who hits the hell out of the baseball for the last half of the season, and he only gets to play part-time because they're in love with Jason Kipnis. Mark, I'm, I'm telling you right now, there's some unbalance in this lineup, and I think you'd agree with it. Yeah, when you look at, again, when you look at the elite teams, look at the Yankees, my God, they hit 268 home runs this year. Yeah. There's, there's not an easy out in that lineup. Looking at Houston play today, not an easy out. I mean, every, every guy can, can smoke the ball, and your pitcher has to work so hard against a team like that. But you know, Red Sox are the same way. Uh, Milwaukee, they have a great lineup. You go position by position by position. The Indians, 
can't. They don't match those teams right now. No. But I, but I don't. I don't know if it's only offense. You may be right. But you know, Kluber, the last two play this year, he, he got he got nailed the first game. Uh, what do you have? Six hits, four runs, four runs, and four two thirds innings. So I, I I forget what yeah. he did last year, but I don't think he had a good playoff last year. Well, and, so, and, no, he didn't have a play a good playoff last year, and yet, Mark. He won the most games of any year that he's had in Major League Baseball, and that includes his two Cy Young award-winning seasons. He won 21 games this year. You've got I Car- understand. Yeah, you've got Carrasco, who won 17 ball games. You've got Bauer, that up until he got hurt, he had won 16 ball games. You've got Bieber, who won 11 ball games. You've got Clevenger, who pitched pretty well today, as a matter of fact, for the Indians yeah. against Houston. You know, he won 13 games this year. So that starting rotation, I mean. They put a lot of emphasis this year on that starting rotation because the bullpen was such a disaster. Yeah, but here's my point. I think the, the, the difference between the those four elite teams I mentioned, Milwaukee, Boston, New York, and Houston, those teams I think are just outstanding teams. When you look at where Cleveland won their games this year and all those pitchers, those are really, really good pitchers. But are they great pitchers? Are, are they going to match up against the, the top three pitchers of the four teams I mentioned? And we're not even talking about the Dodgers and, and their pitching staff, which is an outstanding pitching staff. Uh, so there, there's a lot of teams out there that you go head-to-head with. Uh, I, I think that the pitching staff you have, they will – they won 50 games against their own division. So, yeah, you're going you're gonna to pack up the wins in Mark, those things. Mark, it's the same. If you're playing in the American League East, that's not going to work. It's the same pitching staff that they had two years ago that, does, that uh, depended upon a bullpen for the staff to go just six or seven innings, and then they could bring Brian Shaw in in the seventh inning, Andrew Miller in the eighth, and Cody Allen in in the ninth. It's the same pitching staff. The difference between then and now, Cody Allen had a terrible year in his free agent year. Andrew Miller was on the DL for more than half of the season. Matter of fact, he was on the DL for more than 80% of the season this year, Mark. And Brian Shaw just lingered and lingered and lingered in Colorado because the Indians wouldn't give him the money. And I don't blame them for not giving him the money. But the pitching, that bullpen was in such disarray at the beginning of the year. This pitching staff had, the starting rotation I'm talking about, had to pitch more innings than usual. And by the end of the year, I think Kluber was gassed. And the fact is that Kluber had been complaining about a sore lower back the entire year. And then when you've got Bauer who has to leave, uh, throughout the final month and a half of the season because he's got a, uh, uh, a right leg injury, um, basically broke his leg, um, and had to try to come back on that. And really, you know, hey, it was game effort, but he couldn't do it. And then when you, they didn't pitch Bieber in the playoffs. And then you've got to rely on Clevenger to pitch an elimination game. You know, I, I understand where the Indians are, but it, it all goes back to the bullpen. And, Mark, it goes back again to that lineup, to the fact that they scored three runs today, they scored one run on Saturday, and they scored one run on Friday. Mark, Mark you can't win when you score only six runs in three games. You can't do it. Of course not. It doesn't matter about your pitching if you're not going to score any runs. Okay, you're the general manager now. 
what would you do? All right, here's what I've got. First of all, Terry Francona is getting a contract extension. Secondly, the free agents that the Indians have right now are Michael Brantley, Andrew Miller, Cody Allen, Lonnie Chisenhall, Josh Donaldson, and they've got an option on Edwin Encarnacion. All right, Michael Brantley I want to bring back. I really would love to bring Michael Brantley back. He had one of the most outstanding seasons of anybody that the Indians has had in a long time. And when you sandwich him in between Lindor and Ramirez, I really want, I don't want to bring Brantley back on a five year deal because he's 33 years old, but I want to bring him back on a two or three year deal. Andrew Miller, I would love to bring back. Uh, if I could get him back for nine or ten million dollars, which is basically what he's making right now, uh, for a couple of years, yeah, I, w- I want to bring Andrew Miller back. And I don't think he's going to get any better offer than that, Mark. I mean, that is probably the going rate for a guy like Andrew Miller right now. Cody Allen, goodbye. Lonnie Chisenhall, goodbye. Josh Donaldson, I think, just gums up the works. I would let him go also. Um, I would pick up the option on Encarnacion. Now, keep in mind next year, the Indians have two pitchers that are coming back off the DL. Danny Salazar. Um, my gut feeling is, Mark, they're going to move him to the bullpen. Um, I think when he comes back, they're just going to tell him to go out there, throw your fastball for an inning, and that's enough for you. I think he's going to become a setup man. Josh Tomlin, I would let go. I love Josh Tomlin. He's been a great asset to the organization throughout the years, but I think the league has caught up with him. Jason Kipnis. I've got no place to play him. I, I just can't. And I, I know everybody says, well, he hit 230, but he also had 18 homers and 75 RBIs. Yeah, and the 18 homers and 75 RBIs came when the Indians were up 11 to, 11 to 1. So uh, Jason Kipnis is gone. Yandy Diaz, it's time to crap or get off the pot, if you know what I mean. Yandy Diaz, I think, yeah, he's the guy that I think they need to put at third base and let him play an entire year and let's see what he can do. And as far as two other players that they've got coming back, Cody Anderson's coming back from uh, Tommy John surgery that was performed over a year ago, but he didn't pitch this year, and Nick Goody. They're both going to be back in that bullpen next year. That's going to be addition uh, for the Indians. And finally... You've got Tyler Naquin coming back. You've got Leonis Martin coming back in 2019. A couple of guys there that are going to battle it out for center field. The Indians are going to have to find a right fielder. Bradley Zimmer is out for the season next year. He's got that torn labrum surgery. He's not going to be back at all next year. He's done. So the Indians, Mark, their primary concerns are going to be they've got to find a right fielder. They need to find a center fielder out of the mix at what they've got. They need to find a third baseman. Uh, trading Jason Kipnis, I don't think you're going to get a lot for him. He's got one year left on his deal. But that is basically what I would do with this ball club. Um, and, and the primary concern as far as a free agent right now, Mark, is I want to sign Michael Brantley. I want to get him, and I think Brantley will stay with the Indians as long as they give him a competitive offer. Well, that's a lot to uh, – yeah, here's, the, here's the, the conundrum here. Uh, no matter what moves you make or don't make, 
you guys are going to win the division again next year. <laughs> you know what, Mark? I was thinking that today, and, and in all honesty, I think the Indians could win the division for the next two years and basically yeah. do nothing. I agree. I agree. So uh, from a business perspective, why would your front office go out there and invest a lot of money? In it? Because unless they are positioning them, and they can do this mid-year if you know if they need a pitcher, go go get one in the free agent market or in the uh, yeah sign a free agent uh, or trade for it. They don't have to invest a dollar this year going into spring training. They're going to win the division by probably 15 games, no matter what they do. The division is so incredibly weak. Uh, only Minnesota has any chance at all of competing. And Minnesota can't com- They're not even the same league with, with Cleveland. Yeah. So from a business perspective, wouldn't it be better not to invest any money the next couple of years? Because, like you say, I think you're going to win the division easy. Save some money. And then in 2000, for 2021, you go out there and you, you sign a guy we don't even know about now. You know, some young guy that is coming up and, uh, you know, a great, great athlete, great pitcher you can sign. And then you try and win again when the, the league is tougher. But this goes into the calculation of every team because that's why Boston and New York is such a great rivalry because each team is good. Then they said, well, okay, each team is very good. Then each team is great. And now you have this playoff, which I, I really enjoy watching them play each other. Because it's like two heavyweight champions going out there and beating the hell out of each other. You don't have that in the central division of the American League. Cleveland is going to be there for a long, long time because the other teams are so bad. So given that, wouldn't you consider just being patient if, the next year or two? If they do that, Mark, okay, let, let's say they do that and they let everybody go that I just talked about. Okay? They have got no outfield. Unless they bring back Jason Kipnis. They have no outfield. Michael Brantley would be gone. They'd have to find a left fielder. Uh, Leonis Martin would probably become the center fielder. And then you've got Tyler Naquin, who would probably become the left or right fielder. And then you've got Kipnis in one of those positions. If they go with doing absolutely nothing and just staying with the team that they've got now and not sign anybody or bring anybody back, my guess is, and this is just a guess off the top of my head, Kipnis would be in left, Martin would be in center, Tyler Naquin would be your right fielder. I don't know if you can go through an entire season with three guys like that in the outfield. They're good defensively. I mean, yeah. You know, the funny thing was, I was looking at Sports Illustrated the other day online, they have like 25 writers, and they were all making their predictions for the, the, the playoffs. I don't think I saw one of them pick Cleveland over Houston. Yeah, I, I believe it. Well, you know, I had a tough time doing it. I, I, you know, even though I thought that the Indians had the best pitching staff, um, and, and I think I think you saw it today, Mark, that they had a better starting staff than Houston because they could go deeper in their rotation than Houston could. But the the difference was Houston's bullpen was slam dunk, and their offense was just off the charts. But, you know, I, I, I just in the back of my mind, I knew they weren't going to beat Houston. I just had it in the back of my mind they weren't going to do it and didn't. 
you know, it's funny when I was watching the game today, they brought in two elite pitchers. I forget who the second, the first guy that came in. He was throwing gas. I mean, he was throwing 98-99. I've never heard of him. He's like a middle reliever for this team. He comes in and pitches two, three innings. He strikes out four guys. They don't lay a bat on him. And, you know, they are so deep and so strong with guys you never heard of. Now, of course, they're in the other league, yeah. obviously. But but you would think that, you know, Andrew Miller I've heard about for years. He's a great relief pitcher. But they don't have anybody like that. They have guys I've never heard of. Yeah, are you talking about Colin McHugh? Yes. Yeah. 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 I mean, that guy has been lights out in the bullpen and gets absolutely no publicity whatsoever. Can, can, can you tell me? I mean, for, for, fact of the matter is, Mark, you can name more Boston Red Sox pitchers than you can Houston Astros. I'll tell you right now, I'll bet you can. I, I'll bet you cannot tell me who the closer of the Houston Astros is. No, I can't. You're right. And, and that's, I, a, I that's a travesty because that baseball team down there in Houston is one of the finest baseball teams that I have seen in an awfully long time. Mark, they're better than the 2016 Chicago Cubs. No, I think they are, too. I I, I agree with you. And the funny thing is, they had a lot of injuries during the regular season, too. And they overcame those things. And and they came back and were just they are playing great baseball right now. I I, I tell you, it's going to be tough because of the four teams I mentioned, and, and they may not all make it. But with Milwaukee and Boston and Houston and who am I missing? Uh, Dodgers. Well, New York and the Dodgers. I mean, there are some really, really good teams that aren't going to be playing. They're going to be out, out of the playoffs. And in a normal year, uh, any one of those teams would be a prohibitive favorite to win based on on their lineups alone. And I and I want to I want to piggyback on Houston into the Reds, Mark, because all right. And and I don't have these numbers in front of me, but I'm very, very close to what Houston did. In 2010, they lost 103 games. In 2011, they lost 104 games. In 2012, they lost 108 games, Mark. But they kept compiling those terrible records and kept telling the fans in Houston, bear with us. And they kept picking aces as their number one and two picks. They got Carlos Correa, the shortstop. They got George Springer, the center fielder. They got Alex Bregman, the third baseman. My God, Mark, they were so good at drafting. They drafted Brady Aiken, couldn't sign him, let him go back into the draft where the Indians picked him up, and they didn't even bat an eye at it. That's how good their scouting and draft picks have been throughout the years, and you look at that team from 2010, 11, 12, 13, 14 is when they started turning it around, 15 is when they got competitive in the division, 16, they were very competitive, 17 made the playoffs, won the World Series, and 18, they're probably going to win it again. Yeah, that's certainly a strategy for a team to have, and there's no question that if you, if you, roll, that, if you roll the dice in that way, you better be right. Because if you're not right, and I don't think the Reds are right, uh, that five-year growth pattern becomes 10 or 12 years, and then you've lost an entire generation of fans. So it's a big, it's a big risk. The alternative to that is to do what the St. Louis Cardinals do. They are competitive every year. Their fans have something to look forward to 
every year. Now, they didn't make the playoffs this year, but they were close. They were in it until the last couple weeks of the season. They were competitive. Yeah, they were competitive, and that that brings in three million people because they're competitive. Yep. The Reds have rolled the dice, taking the Houston model, and really the Cubs model. The Cubs did the same thing. But, you know, these, these windows open and close quickly. And i got to ask you, do you think the Indians' window is closing based on the current roster they have? I think the, Indo- the Indians' window has closed to them winning a World Series and they, unless they make drastic measures to the lineup. I think it's closed. They, they can still win the division. They can still make the playoffs. They can knock on the door all they want to. They're not going to bang it in. Well, I'll tell you how they can bang it in. Since you didn't ask me, I'm going to tell you. I think they ought to sign Clayton Kershaw. That puts them in a different level. That's the pitcher they need. He's better than anything you've got. See, I don't think, no, I I, I disagree with that because Kershaw, uh, okay, first of all, here's the situation. We don't need starting pitching. We can win with the starting pitching we've got. We need a stud closer. Period. Stud. Who would you get? I don't know who's available out there. I, I really don't. Well, what, what I, I would do is take one of your starters. You know, <laughs> you've got some guys starting that you could turn into a closer. But here, right, here's my point: if you if you were to sign Kershaw, I think Kershaw is better than anything you got. He's the guy who can go up against the number one starter on any other team and and, and win. You could take then a Clevenger or take one of your your third, fourth, or fifth, even a Bauer. And trade them for somebody you need. You said you need outfield. Use those that, that strength you have to go get uh, a, a couple outfielders that you know can hit thirty home runs a year and play good defense. I'd rather you take so much. I'd rather take some of the pitching that we've got in the minor leagues and do that rather than go out and spend a fortune on Clayton Kershaw. I, I, I would rather do that. I think it makes more financial sense for the ball club, and you could trade a couple of the minor league pitchers that they've got that have have so much promise, and you could bring in an outfielder like that. Well, somebody's going to sign Kershaw, and I, to me, it, it's the, the team. You don't think it'll be the Dodgers? You don't think the Dodgers will sign re-sign him? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know if want to stay. If they win this year, they might. The only team that could afford him, Mark, is uh, is the Yankees. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly right. Or Boston. No, I don't. No, Boston. Boston has got so much money right now, tied up in sale and price, they can't afford to bring in another high price pitcher. Can't do it, and it's another left hander. Yeah, but I know. Left handers are harder to hit than right handers. You know, I'll tell you. I'll tell you right now, Kershaw. Kershaw would be smart to go to Boston, and Boston would be smart to get Kershaw because I'll tell you, Boston is the most overrated team in the playoffs right now. I've said that all year long. They're the most overrated team. The Yankees are going to beat them, and then the Yankees will get beat by Houston. And everybody will lament all year long, including all those yin-yangs on ESPN, oh, what happened to Boston? What happened to the Reds? I'm hearing it on Morning Joe every morning with, with Scarborough and those guys. Oh, the Red Sox are going to get beat by Boston. Yep, every year. Boston goes into the playoffs, and every once in a while they get lucky and they make the World Series. But this year's team that won 109 games, that was the most uh, – they're they're the most overrated team in baseball. Oh, Dave, they won 109 games. Yep, and they're the most most overrated team in baseball. Seattle did the same thing 10 years ago. 
Seattle. Did you say the same thing about Cleveland? What? That the I I never said that the Indians weren't overrated. What I'm saying is Boston is the Boston. The Indians would have beat Boston. They beat them during the regular season. They would have beat Boston in the playoffs. Boston doesn't have the pitching at all from one through ten to make it through the playoffs. They don't have it. Well, I. I'm not prepared to go out on a limb and say that a team that won 100 and 108 games is not a great ball club because they are. And anything can happen in the playoffs, I will give you that. But Boston, New York, Milwaukee, and Houston are at the head of the class this year. Now, Mark, I'm going to th- throw a couple numbers out at you. I'm going to throw a couple teams out at you. And you okay? And this will further exemplify my point about Boston. The 1969 uh, Baltimore Orioles, how many games did they win? 103. 105. Okay. Okay. Lost the World Series in five games. All right. The the 1954 Cleveland Indians, how many games did they win? 112. Yep, 111. Okay. Lost in four straight to the San Francisco Giants. I mean, New York Giants. New York, New, Giants. New York Giants, okay? Yeah, they, they lost in four. The Seattle Mariners, 10 years ago, won 108 games. Who beat them? The New York Yankees. They didn't even get to the World Series. That's what I'm saying. Teams, we've got teams and teams and teams that have won over 100 games. Frank Robinson said it best back 25, 30 years ago. You mean we had the best record in baseball and now we got to reprove it over the next three out of five? That's the problem with baseball. You know, you've got these, you've got the playoff system and they've got to have it because they need the money to come in. But the fact of the matter is baseball is a marathon sport. It's not a short term. And baseball is a long term sport. You've got teams that win game after game after game in the American, in the, in the regular season. And then when it comes to the playoffs, they can't do it because their flaws are further Identified and in a shorter series because of it, and you can of course, but that that applies to a team that wins eighty games or you know eighty four games and gets into the playoffs to the wild card, like the Giants did uh, several years in a row. Every what was in, in well, 10, you, 12 or look, fourteen. Yeah, look at the New York Mets in nineteen seventy three. Went went eighty eighty two eighty two and eighty and ended up going to the World Series. Beat a better Cincinnati Reds team. My point is, is that I would rather look at a team that hasn't won as many games over the regular season, that has taken time to develop themselves, to get themselves ready for the playoffs, rather than a team that put the metal, the pedal to the metal like the Red Sox did, and they haven't done anything to, to remedy the flaws that they have. I mean, I, all I heard throughout the month of September was how Boston was trying to figure out their bullpen. If they didn't have their bullpen figured out by the month of September, winning that many games, Mark, they weren't going to figure it out. I don't know what you have up your craw against Boston. Uh, they were the best team in baseball this year. They're still in the playoffs. They're playing, I, I think, the third best team in baseball right now. And it's last I heard it was one-to-one. Uh, where are they somehow not meeting your high expectations? Because I don't think they've got the pitching to do anything with it. And to be quite honest with you, I'm sick and tired 
you know, somebody somebody said something the other day that I think is exactly correct. Who the hell makes this schedule up for the playoffs? Well, there's a it's a computer. It used to be a, a family in Iowa that did it. That's no, true. for the playoffs. Who oh, makes the schedule for the playoffs? Why is it that we seem to think that we have to have Boston and New York playing at 8 o'clock every damn night? Why can't we highlight some of the other teams? Because Boston and New York are going to bring us in the best ratings. It doesn't matter, Mark, anymore about the game. It's the ratings. And I know that, I know you're going to, you're right. Okay? But I'm sick and tired of hearing about Boston and New York. Mark, that's all I've heard about over the last week. There's been nothing said about Milwaukee and Colorado. There's been nothing said about the Dodgers and the Braves. There's been nothing said about the Indians in Houston. It's all Boston and New York. Oh my God! The world is coming to an end! No, I don't think the world's coming to an end. I think because you have New York City with 13 million people in it, uh, they're going to have more TVs on than, say, uh, Milwaukee. And there's more people interested in that. And you've got to prove yourself. Houston proved themselves last year. No one was talking about Houston last year, that they were a good team. No, but Houston is the defending world champions, and they've got to play four consecutive or three consecutive games in the afternoon when nobody can see them. You think the players care? Yeah, I think they do. I don't. Yeah, I I really do. I mean, the fact is, is that, you know, baseball right now, they are missing out on a team in the Houston Astros that is probably one of the finest teams that has been in the league over the last 10 years. And I'm not kidding about that. But nobody ever gets to see them. They're missing out on a team called the Milwaukee Brewers, who may be one of the finest teams to come out of the National League in a while. And nobody can see them. Why? Because we're so busy promoting Boston and New York that we can't see the forest through the trees. Think of those teams are on national TV every day they when? play. When? When? Oh, on cable. On national TV. If people want to watch them, they can watch them. It's not like, you know, the, the Boston and New York are on TV to the exclusion of everybody else. Pretty much, pretty much when they've got Sunday Night Baseball, who was on, who was on Sunday Night Baseball? Uh, who are the top two teams on Sunday Night Baseball all year on ESPN? Who was Probably it? New York and Boston. You got it. New York okay, and Boston. You know and whomever else did they you, played. Did you ever miss a Cleveland game because of that? No, you didn't. If you want to watch Cleveland or Kansas City, or you want to watch any team in today's world, you can. It's not like it was back in the No, but I mean, the only headline game on Sunday night is the one on ESPN, and it's always New York and Boston or whoever they play. And by God, if they play each other, boy, that's going to be on Sunday night baseball no matter what. I, I don't see where that matters at all. You know, I'm, I'm just tired of the constant Boston, New York all the time. I mean, you've got teams out there like, like the, you know, I, I want to see the Braves. You know, well, the Braves. When the, Reds, when the Reds were winning back in the 70s, yeah. they were on the game of the week every Saturday. Every Saturday. They were on, it used to make me mad because I couldn't watch it because they were all blacked out. Then you, you know you couldn't you couldn't watch the game on TV, but it's because they were a winning team. People want to see winning teams. And there's a lot more winning teams than Boston and New York, Mark. There's Houston who won 103 games. You've got Milwaukee who won close right. to 100 games. 
Anybody who wants to watch a damn baseball game can find it today. <laughs> it's on the internet. It's a, you, you don't. Nobody's missing out on anything. Nobody's hiding. I'm not saying they're hiding. I'm saying why do we have to promote the same two teams year after year after year? It's the promotion of Major League Baseball over the same two teams. Pick up the damn phone and call MLB and ask them. <laughs> I tell you the answer, it's money. It's money. You're right. Okay. It is. That's story. Live with it. You know, and when it comes to the World Series, what's going to happen? It'll be Milwaukee and Houston, and everybody will complain at Fox because they can't go out and sell ads for it because it's Milwaukee and Houston. Who's going to complain, Dave? Fox will. No, they won't. Because they won't be because they won't be able to make their money by selling ads. That that'll be their problem. The ratings will be low because it's Milwaukee and Houston. It's not Boston, New York, or L.A. or Chicago. I'm going to forgive this outburst of inconsequential uh, comments because your team lost three. It's not inconsequential, Mark. Everybody that's listening out there agrees with me. It's always Boston and New York. And right now the two best teams in baseball are Houston and Milwaukee. And Houston and Milwaukee in the World Series is Fox's worst nightmare. I saw Houston play today. I saw Milwaukee play yesterday. Mark, you're re- I, I did this thing. Mark, you, you're retired. So what? You can see. Can watch that game. You can see them. Watch it on the computer. You can see them play. Okay, no, that's not the case. You got people that work in offices that have internet act, uh, access that is restricted. They can't see those games. By the way, uh, your hatred of Boston so far as that paid off. Uh, they're ahead ten to one against the Yankees uh, in the third game. Just saying. Okay. Congratulations to the Red Sox. They haven't won the series yet, have they? No, they haven't. But they no. have, looks like they're going to have two game one to lead against the, <laughs> the Yankees. Well, you know that's a series that I wish would just continue to go and go and go until the middle of December, and Major League Baseball just calls it due to attrition. Because I'm tired of those two teams. Or, or they could just be the two best teams in baseball. No. They're, Mark, you just said a little bit ago that Houston was one of the best teams you've seen in a long time. They are. I'm not, I'm not backing down from that. And you're going to tell me that you think, you think Boston is even close to them? Oh, yeah, they're close to them. Of course they are. How do you figure they're close to them? Because look at the lineups. Compare player for player, the first four, the four teams in baseball that I mentioned that I think are the four best teams in baseball, and you compare lineup to lineup, you'd have a hard time saying that one team was better than the other. Oh, I have no problem saying that Houston is better than the Dodge than the Dodgers, than Boston or the Yankees. And you tell me who in the world Boston is going to put up against Justin Verlander in Game One of that series. Nobody will, but there's more. There's a it's a 25 man roster, not one guy. And even if you lose that game, you can still come back and win. These teams are all elite teams, Dave. My God, Houston's a very good team. I think they're the best team in baseball. They haven't proved that yet because we haven't seen them play uh, the Yankees or Boston or Milwaukee or the other good teams. It, it remains to be seen. A year ago. When Cleveland went into the playoffs after winning, what, 22 games in a row, everybody thought they were the best team in baseball. Yeah, they did. Everybody. Yeah. And, and what happened? They got they, they <laughs> win the first two games and they get swept by the Yankees. Yeah. Three straight. 
So you never know. Houston could, could fall down and the Yankees get hot and they beat the snot out of them. Who knows? But these first four teams, there is not a significant difference between those four teams. No. They're all great. There, there's a huge difference between Houston and Boston. We'll find out, David. Yeah. Yeah. We'll find out. All right, let's talk about the the people that are up for the Reds' managerial position. And they had three guys pop in to the uh, interview process, Mark, that a lot of people, you know, first of all, um, I've heard of David Bell. I know who David Bell is. Uh, if you're from Cincinnati, you probably know who David Bell is, but a lot of people probably don't. He is in the front office staff of the San Diego Padres, and he's the son of former Reds player Buddy Bell. He's in the mix for the job. Brad Osmus is in the mix for the job, former Tiger manager. Joe Girardi's in the mix for the job. I'll tell you where I think Girardi's going to end up with, and that's the that's the Angels. Well, I, I hear this, uh, was it Hensley Mullins, the, the guy from the Giants? Yeah. Uh, there was an article today from, in the Cincinnati Inquirer, I think it was the Inquirer, and that they said he's he's a dark horse. That the Reds really like him because he's a big, tough dude, and uh, he's 51 years old. He's a big, strong guy, and he won't take any crap from the players, and he's well respected, and, and he's a black guy, which I think you know maybe that would help with some of the Latin players. I don't know. Uh, I don't know if that's even in the mix anymore. You know, if there's so few African American players in baseball today, I, I don't know if that's an issue anymore. Yeah, a good, a good manager is a good manager. I don't think that should should weigh into it. But sometimes when you have Latin players, they want a Latin manager. Uh, if they have a lot of Afri- African American players, they want a uh, an African American manager. You know, I, I I don't know how that plays out anymore. But there's a lot of good candidates. But I, I heard David Bell was one, and this Mullins guy was number two, and then Girardi. They didn't think he would take it if it was offered. That's, that's what they're saying down here. Yeah, I, I think he's just kind of practicing in the interview. <laughs> um, but I, I think his goal, and if it was my, if it was me, my goal would be, hey, I, I could manage Mike Trout for the rest of his career. You know, let, let's go to the Angels and and find out. Now, I heard the other day that, <laughs> and I, I I really had to laugh. Mike Sosha's name. Yeah, that that was that was yeah that was my. But Mullins is really an interesting candidate, Mark, because he managed the Netherlands in the World Baseball Classic in 2013 and 17, and he was one of the finalists for the Yankees job a year ago before Aaron Boone got it. Yeah, he has a lot of support, is what I'm hearing. A lot, a lot of people think he would be a, a great guy to play for. He's a, he's a players' manager, but he doesn't take any gump. Either and uh, he, he's with the Giants when they won some World Series, so he he's been around. And uh, you know, I think what you've got uh, Boone this year comes into the Yankees, and here they are in the playoffs. Yeah. So you can't say that uh, an inexperienced manager can't perform. Well, anybody that walked into the Yankees job was going to make the playoffs. If they didn't, they were going to be a one and out manager. Um, but Mullins also was the Giants' hitting coach for eight seasons before he became the bench coach uh, under Bochy this year with the Giants. And I'm hearing you're right, Mark. That's what I'm hearing is that Mullins has, is the front runner for the job, and John Farrell, whom everybody thought was probably a shoe in for the job over a week ago, 
has really fallen off the wayside. I just wonder what's going to happen with the Nationals. Uh, to me, that, that that's a, an amazing situation over there. That no matter who goes into that that maelstrom over there, it doesn't come out on top. You know, I, just wonder, I think Girardi would be great for the Nationals. I think he's the guy that ought to go there. Well, they have not they have not fired Dave Martinez yet. And I know, but how long can they go with that guy with that talent? And I mean, they they gave up. A lot of talent this year because they, they, you know, they traded it away because they weren't going to win. But that that franchise is just a conundrum to me. Yeah, I don't, I don't get it either. I mean, where do, where do you think Bryce Harper is going to end up? I think he'll stay. Is what I think is going to happen. I can't imagine anybody going out on that financial end. Even the, I mean, everybody says he's going to the Cubs, but. For that amount of money, you're talking three hundred million, thirty million dollars a year for ten years. Yeah, I mean, I, I can't. I just can't imagine why any team would do that. Now, if it's Mike Trout, yeah, you know, he's 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 a much much better player, in my opinion. And I might go out on the limb for a Mike Trout, but not for this guy. He's he's kind of an average outfielder. He's you know, he hits the ball five hundred fifty feet, but he doesn't hit a that far very often. Well, remember he came up as a catcher. They moved him to the outfield, hoping that they could take advantage of it. And if you recall, when he was first coming up, they put him in center field, and then they had to move him to right because he couldn't cover the ground in center. Yeah. You know, I, I, I think he's a left fielder. I don't think he's a. I don't even think he's a right fielder. Mark, here's the question: What has happened to Chris Bryant? Well, I, I, one of my best friends is in Chicago. Lives in Chicago, and. Played baseball with him for years and years and years. He's a very good baseball guy. He said that, that, that they have figured him out. The pitchers, he, and he's a former pitcher. He said they have just figured this guy out. He's, he's got a lot of holes in his swing. He's six five. He's got a long, long stroke. And the way they're pitching him is high. They get him under the armpits, and they get him long away. And he, he has not been able to catch up. And, and he may not. I mean, there are guys who have the kinds of years that he had in his first two or three years, and all of a sudden the pitchers say, oh, we got it figured out. And, the, you know, that, that individual doesn't come back. So it's up to him now to make adjustments to their adjustments. And I think what what I'd be surprised if he doesn't do is choke up on the bat a little bit and shorten his stroke. Because he's so damn strong, he doesn't need to hold the bat at the very end anymore. He has to make contact, that's all. And you're playing in Wrigley Field, for God's sake. You don't need the ball carries there very well. And But somebody's got to get a hold of this guy and, and shake him a little bit. And so you've got to make changes, pal, or you're going you're gonna to be a 240 hitter the rest of your career. Now, he, that's a team, Mark, that I think has got a lot of decisions to make are the Cubs. Um, because they've got to decide what they're going to do in left field but most importantly, they have got to decide what they're going to do at shortstop. Are they going to stick around with Addison Russell with all of these uh, accusations flying around about him right now when Manny Machado is available out there? Well, you think Machado is the answer at shortstop for the Cubs? I, I'm just saying. Uh, do you think Russell is with all the all the allegations going on about him right now and domestic violence? Yeah, well, I mean, he's serving, what, 40 games suspension? Yeah. And it'll take him into the first week of the season next year or two weeks of the season. 
Yeah, Harrison Russell's a great player. I mean, I, I don't know. I agree. I, I'm, I, don't, I don't know the vibe in Chicago about this. If they think it's, uh, if there's a group of people that think he's Brett Kavanaugh and, you know, playing for the Cubs, he falsely accused. I don't know. Uh, there, I'm sure there's some to do. Uh, probably the truth is that he probably did what he was accused of doing, but nobody really knows. But back to your question, I don't think Machado is the answer to anybody. I mean, I, I think he's he should not be playing shortstop. I agree. He's too slow. He, he doesn't have the arm. He's got a good arm, but he doesn't have he doesn't cover the ground. He should, should be playing third base or left field. Mark, if I'm the Cubs. If I'm the Cubs, I make two moves. I move Chris Bryant to left field. I trade Kyle Schwarber to a team in the American League, and I sign Manny Machado and put him at third. Yeah, I mean that, that that's, a, that's a great move. But the Cubs could do that without trading Schwarber. What What do you? Well, they, they got the money. They don't need to trade anybody. They can sign a free agent. So they sign Machado, and they could probably find another pitcher. Um, yeah, but then yeah. what do you play Bryant? I played Bryant in left field and keep Schwarber as a as your fourth outfielder. Yeah. And it was a, a you know Hayward. He's the guy who's eating up the space. I mean, who would you rather have in the outfield? Hayward's a good defensive outfielder. I give him that. He's much better than Schwarber. But you know the Cubs with with Madden. I really admire what he does. He, he he he's so creative how he uses his players. And you give him twenty five good players and. Uh, he'll make it work. You know, he doesn't care where they want to play. They go out and play in the outfield and shut up. And that's what more managers ought to do. Mark, we've got we've got about eight minutes left to go in the show. I'm going to give you the platform right now. And you did this to me earlier in the show. I'm going to let you do this. You are now the general manager of the Cincinnati Reds. I want you to explain over the next few minutes what you would do in order to make this team competitive or at least fun to watch next year for the Reds fans in 2019? I think you need four players. It's pretty simple. And, and these could be, I'm not going to give you specific names, but uh, you, you need two starting pitchers who could be your numbers one and two or one and three or two and three in, in that in that area. You need two outfielders, one that can hit 30, 40 home runs, and one that has high on base percentage. Uh I would get rid of Billy Hamilton. Uh, he is not going to lend himself to creating a winning team. I like Billy Hamilton. And he had five five-star catches this year to win to uh, second in the league. And those five five-star catches, only one of them happened in the game that the Reds won. I love watching him play, but his singular talent does not help win games. So I would get rid of Billy Hamilton. Uh, in terms of getting rid of people, they got to get rid of three or four of those guys like like uh, Stevenson, uh, who have been around for a while. They've just not produced. When you have a starting pitching staff that nobody outside of Cincinnati knows who's number one on that team, that's a problem. So there's going to be a number of free agents. This 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 Corbin guy from from Arizona. I really like him. Hope the Reds go after him. He's, he's going to cost some money, but he's the kind of guy who can pitch for a long time. He doesn't throw 100 miles an hour. He's got a great breaking ball. He's got great control. He's a sicker ball pitcher. He can do do very well in the ballpark. They, in fact, if I'd go out and get another left hand, I'd get two left-handers, as a matter of fact. And then I would go get the, the two outfielders that you need. 
And you've got Winker coming back. Um, yeah. But outside outside of Winker, uh, nobody has a spot nailed down right now. I mean, there's they have very, very average or below average outfielders that, that they could turn to. So you got to go out and make those four deals. They do that, they can be in the playoffs next year. I, I want to ask you your opinion of this. I have talked to my man in the know inside the Reds organization. He tells me there is absolutely no way Bob Castellini will open up his pocketbook and sign free agents this year. Well, I don't know who your guy is, but everybody else, including uh, some some well-known reporters as early as recently as today, uh, they say that's not the case, that he is going to sign. Now, this is all relative. You yeah. know, he, he say he opens up his pocketbook. Well, you know, they, they spent, what, $116 million last year. It's not like they're at the bottom of the of the payroll deal, uh, they spend more money than several teams that made the playoffs, and they, it's not necessarily the money; it's the selection of the players they get. Whoever makes those decisions are not making wise decisions. That's the problem. They could, I, I forget now who they drafted when they could have had Aaron Judge. They passed over Aaron Judge, and they drafted somebody who's still in the minors for the Reds. Those are the kind of mistakes that haunt you for 10 years. Yeah. And, and they've, they've done that consistently over the last decade. That's the problem. It's not the money. It's And maybe, this, maybe they're not bringing in, they're paying the, the people in the draft area of the team or player development. They're not putting enough money there. I don't know. But there, there's something systemically wrong with a team that finishes last place four years in a row, and they've lost over 90 games five years in a row. And there is right now, as we speak today, October 8, 2018, there is not one shred of evidence it's going to change for next year. Right now, the season starts tomorrow, they'll finish last again. No question about it. So you ask what they should do? they got to do something because whatever they're doing ain't working. So they got to go out and either spend the money or make some trades and change, turn, this, turn this roster over. No, I, I agree with you. I think there's there's a lot of things that the Reds need to do. I think there's a lot of things that the Indians need to do. And I think what we need to do, Mark, is when the winter meetings come up in December, let's do a special show on a Monday night and let's talk about what's going on. Let let let's let's have a, a midwinter show and talk about what 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 both teams are doing. I mean it to me, Mark, I think it's gonna be a very tantalizing off season for both teams. I really believe that because I think there's a lot of moves that both teams need to make in order to continue. Uh, what I mean, for example, the the Reds need to make some moves, obviously, to eliminate the apathy that the fans are showing towards this team. You know, I, I heard the last Saturday afternoon the game was sold out. <laughs> I saw the team. I saw the stands, Mark. Yeah, uh, it 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 was not sold out. You know, well, you know what's hurt, hurting him even more right now? The, the Bengals are 4-1. and one. Yeah. Yeah. You know, the, the pe- people are turning their attention to, to the football team now. And, okay, guys, you've screwed us now for five years. Uh, maybe we'll see you in 2021 when you you make some changes. Yeah. Yeah, and, th- and that, that could very well be the case. Um, both teams are going to open up the end of February. Mark, do you, uh, as far as spring training is concerned, at Goodyear, um, 
the Indians are going to open up on March 28th next year in Minnesota. Boy, that's exactly where you want to be on March 28th, Mark. You want to be in Minnesota to to play some baseball. Um, well, the Reds play the Pirates, I think, on the 28th as well. Yeah, you're right. And uh, at home, so that will be a, this year. It was actually a warm day uh, in Cincinnati, but. Uh, we'll see. What, but I'm glad they're not playing a regular season into the first week of October because it makes the playoffs then have cold weather. But anyway, it's uh, it was fun again this year, Dave. Yeah. And uh, I feel bad for all the Indian fans out there, but you can rest assured, no matter what happens, the Indians will be in the playoffs again next year. I agree, and I'd love to see the Reds somehow squeak their way into the playoffs. And if they make the moves that you think they should make, they just might do it. Who knows? Maybe you know. We'll see. You know, Dick Williams should give you a call or Castellini make you GM. Okay. Then you, I'll take it. Then you can name me play-by-play announcer and we'll go to town. All right. You, that sounds good. <laughs> Mark, thanks a lot. Been another fun year. We'll talk to you again in December. We'll we'll do that show. Okay. All yeah, right. Good one. That's going to do it for this season of the Ohio Baseball Weekly Show. It's been a good one. The Reds finished in last. That wasn't so good. The Indians win the division go to the playoffs, and they get swept by the Houston Astros in the first playoff series, and that wasn't very good either. But nonetheless, it was another successful year here for Mark and I on the Ohio Baseball Weekly Show. Telling you what's happening uh, coming up at the end of this week, Roger Bacon is going to be in Dayton taking on Carroll. We'll be on the air with a pregame show Friday night from Carroll High School, Rob Rickenbaugh and I, at 6 o'clock with the pregame show, and the kickoff will be at 7. And then Saturday afternoon, the big one in the Heartland Conference Division Three football here on Ultimate Sports Talk, Mount St. Joseph University hosting the Franklin Grizzlies. And that's going to be a first-place matchup against those two ball clubs. Game time, 1.30, pregame show from Schuler Field starting at 12.30 here on Ultimate Sports Talk. Our thanks to everybody that helped us out this year, all the guests that we had, and to Greg Mitchell for producing the show all season long, to some of the sponsors that we had, but most of all, our thanks go out to you for listening here this season, folks. Really appreciate it for the seventh year of the Ohio Baseball Weekly Show. Looking forward to next year already. For Mark Donahue, I'm Dave Mitchell. Have a happy Thanksgiving. Merry Christmas. And we'll see you again next February, except for that one show coming up in December. Until then, have a good winter, everybody.